You're listening to Menders with clinical psychologist and leadership consultant, Dr. Nicola DePaul. Each week, get a dose of real-world inspiration from free-thinking leaders, top clinicians, healthcare innovators, and myself. Looking for quick fixes or standard management tools? Try someplace else. Motivated to maximize the resilience and diversity of your team? Sustain your momentum as a leader and transform your healthcare system? Welcome to Menders. You may or may not remember the It's Not About the Nail video. So for those of you who do, you're going to just laugh out loud, or maybe you're even going to look it up. And for those of you who aren't familiar with this video, it's definitely worth your time. But let me take a moment to describe it for you. In this video, a man and a woman are talking and she is saying like, hey, I really just need you to listen to me. And um, you don't see her whole face at first. And she's talking about the terrible pain in her head. And it's just so difficult for her. And all she needs is just to listen. And the guy in the video keeps trying to interject and she keeps shutting him down or asking him to stop. And, and finally you see there is a nail protruding out of her head, out of her forehead. And so he's, he's frantically trying to say like, Hey, there's something we can do to fix this. You've got a nail sticking out of your forehead. And she keeps bringing him back to, it's not about the nail. And very clear in this quick film, she just wants to be heard and she doesn't want to deal with the reality that everybody else can see, which is that she's got a nail sticking out of her forehead. So anyway, I share this story because sometimes in leadership positions, it is really painful to watch our staff or our employees struggling with certain circumstances, or maybe even struggling with behaviors or difficulties that we see as totally fixable. And it can be easy for us to get caught up in wanting to fix those things. And maybe ultimately we do need to bring a fix or we need to provide some kind of assistance that makes a big difference. But usually what people need first is to be heard, to be validated and acknowledged. And so that's really where we're starting out today. So we're slowing down and we're paying attention to what people say and we're taking the time to validate their distress and to validate their desires. Hey, Menders, if you're listening to this and you're a healthcare leader struggling to get a handle on the metrics that matter and you're motivated to improve employee engagement, workplace satisfaction, and overall well-being, listen up. Whether you have a tiny system or a large, complex department, there is a clear path you can take to go from burnout culture to cultural renewal. Go to MendingHealthSystems.com to check out my organizational well-being assessment. This mini course will walk you through an organizational self-evaluation that will help you identify your next steps to boost organizational well-being today. So pause this episode and head to MendingHealthSystems.com right 
now. So let me pause there for just a moment. So what do I mean by validate? I don't mean that we're going to say everything someone says is true. It may be true. It may not be true. That actually is kind of irrelevant. But what is true is that that is their perspective and experience. And that's what we want to validate. So when you're listening, it's important for you to be able able to acknowledge that this is someone's real reality-based lived experience. And if you can't go there or acknowledge the reality of someone else's perspective, you're going to have a really hard time making much progress towards creating systemic change. So it really starts here with our willingness to validate. And you may find over time that some of the things that your employees share, you agree with, or you find are accurate and some things you might never agree with. And that is totally okay. So validating, like I said, does not mean whitewashing or getting rid of your opinion, um, or just blanketly accepting what someone else says as being fully true, but it is accepting what someone else says as being representative of their experience. So I wanted to share another example. And this is an example of a team that I worked with just on a a quick and dirty one-time occasion in the earlier days of COVID. And this was a team who needed to be validated. So I was invited in to meet with a group of geriatric physicians. And these physicians happened to be located or working on a like a residential living unit for elderly patients who were at very high risk of COVID. So this was in the relatively early days. I think we were about six months into the pandemic. So there was definitely no vaccine in sight and things were really heavy. A lot of people were dying. And of course, elderly patients were at extraordinarily high risk of death from COVID and at risk of being exposed, you know, even when they would never be leaving their residential space or hospital space, wherever they were at. And so I was brought in to meet with this group of physicians who were experiencing a tremendous amount of stress and moral distress. And they were also really fearful about their family's well-being because they felt that they were being asked to enter into an environment that was potentially life-threatening for their patients and potentially life-threatening for them or their families on a daily basis. They were being exposed to the potential of COVID and, you know, they didn't know what was going to happen. So there was a tremendous amount of stress and distress within this group. But there was also very little that could be done at that time. So certainly, you know, I guess the one major option people could have had would have been to leave their jobs. But these physicians were really committed to being present and to stay. But what they needed was to be listened to and to be heard in those moments. So when we got together, that was really the point. We weren't looking for any solutions. There weren't solutions to be offered at that time. It was just a very 
difficult, dark, and painful time. And yet, the opportunity to come together to share the common experience, I think was powerful. It was interesting to hear the physicians share because they were able to reflect, oh, you feel that way too? Oh, you have the same fears that I do. You're worried about the impacts of your pa- of your work on your family's well-being. You don't know what's going to happen. None of us know if we're going to make it out. So it was so powerful and healing to see these people be in the same space. And my role was simply to facilitate their ability to share their experiences with each other. And it was you know, a small group. There weren't executive level leaders present. This was just frontline physicians who were taking the time to connect with each other and to find healing and hope in each other's presence and in their ability to speak their fears out loud. So this is what we need to be thinking about when we're approaching our staff. We don't always have answers. We can't always fix something. And sometimes our staff don't even want us to fix it. Remember, it's not about the nail. Sometimes they just need and want to be heard and validated. And sometimes that's enough. And not always, of course, as we're going to get into in the next episode. But I want to just highlight, sometimes that is enough. And so part of validating what you hear as a leader is to be able to synthesize the themes that are coming up when you're listening. And that could be in your formal listening practices and your informal listening practices. But just notice, what am I hearing? And then be able to feed that back to your whole community. So these are the themes that I'm hearing. These are the things that people seem to be concerned about. And take the time to acknowledge what you hear. These are the emotions that I'm hearing. These are the needs. These are the desires, the hopes. This is where people want to get to. And then offer the opportunity for your community to provide feedback. Am I hearing this correctly? What would you add? And like we've talked about in a couple of other episodes, make sure that you're including and prioritizing the voices of the the folks who have the least power or who are in historically marginalized or minority positions. And it may come across as super obvious, but use your reflective listening skills here. So if you're a clinician, you might've gotten training in motivational interviewing at some point. Many of us have, and maybe not. And if you haven't, look it up. That's one of my absolute favorite skills to use. But the core of motivational interviewing or any effective patient interviewing strategy is really reflective listening. And you're not just trying to parrot back what you hear, but you're trying to go deeper and reflect those emotions, needs, desires, and distress that you hear. So you're kind of cutting through the surface level. And if you can, getting down to that kind of deep human level where you're speaking to people's needs, values, challenges, and their strengths. So using those reflective listening skills, remembering to use non-judgmental approach when you're interacting with folks as well. So when you're listening, do the best you can to listen from a place of presence, of non-judgment. 
so that people feel free and safe to bring all of their ideas to you in those moments. And you might sift through and decide that, you know, a number of things need to be let go. That's completely fine. But when you're listening, it is so much more powerful to stay in that non-judgmental space. And another basic, but I, I think it does need to be said, treat the distress and the desires that you hear with respect and take them seriously. When people take the initiative to share with you something that's really uncomfortable, it's vulnerable. And sharing our needs is vulnerable. Sharing our desires and hopes is almost more vulnerable. So honor that by giving the gift of your presence when you're listening. So let me just share another story about an effective leadership practice. And this story comes from another team that I've worked with, where the team leader has been really committed to this validation process. So the listening process. And um, so what she did was started by listening to her leadership. And she took quite a bit of time to do this. So sat down with all of the different disciplines by discipline and just ask, how are you doing? What's not working? What's not going well? And gave people space to share. And she listens in a very non-judgmental way. Even when things are, you know, I'm sure not pleasant or easy to hear. And then what she did next was she followed up and she met with all of the leadership's staff or their frontline employees. So she took it down a notch and she happens to work for a relatively large health system. And so the sites that she's supervising are spread out over a pretty broad geographic area. So what she prioritized was getting in the car and she recognized that team, you know, teams or digital meetings, WebEx meetings are fantastic, a great way to start some of these conversations, but they're not a good way to finish it. So she decided, okay, I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to get my leadership team on board and we're going to go at least two people per event because we need to show up and we need to be present. And another one of her core values, I love this. Um, we're going to bring a gift or food or something that makes our presence more joyful when we arrive. And I'm not talking about like the traditional pizza party of, hey, we're going to paper over your distress by giving you pizza. But I think she was bringing hot chocolate or some kind of fun little snack. So something to anchor her time with these folks to validate their importance to her and her physical presence was also validating that and to acknowledge, Hey, I hear you and I see you. And then after setting the stage, she took it to the next step and asked those same questions again and just listened. And she did this at each site that she was supervising. And she did it by discipline again. And what I think is even more remarkable, she saved time to meet with people one-on-one. So this is an extraordinary investment of time in listening and validation. 
So not only were these sessions intended to be listening sessions where she was generating information, pulling in information from her employees, but they were also intended to be validation sessions where she was present, listening, and providing that care simply through hearing what people were saying. And then I'm sure that in the future, she'll follow up by doing something similar on a more consistent basis so that she keeps her team strong and feeling heard over time. All right. I hope this gave you some things to think about as you think about how do I go about validating distress and desires on my team or in my healthcare system. Thank you for listening to Menders. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend. And don't forget to head on over to MendingHealthSystems.com to get started creating cultural transformation for your healthcare team today. Let's create transformation magic. Oh,